This morning, I thought we'd have a bit of a leadership focus uh, to warm up for uh, the, the uh, pastors get together on Saturday. Uh, and the theme for that is uh, competencies of a 21st century leader. And I think, uh, I think in church, we should often have a, a bit of a leadership focus, a lot of a leadership focus, I think. Uh, you can never focus on it too much because I believe that our world is totally uh, in need of leadership. And at some stage, all of us are called to lead. Is that right? Grace, have you ever been called upon to lead? I got school captain. You got school captain. Good on you. So, so uh, how did you enjoy that? You led well, yeah. I loved your graduation speech too. It's a leader. And I really believe that, uh, you know, there's, on churches, there's a leadership call. And to be a Christian is to, uh, you know, really be called to leadership. And we need to be able to step up. So this is very much just about you know, the competencies that leaders need now. Young people need them now. People like me need them now. And we've just got to keep growing in our leadership. And uh, one of the reasons I'm talking about this, at the moment I'm writing a leadership course, which I'm going to put out there. And if you look at the surveys on leadership from around the globe in the Western world, there is a massive dissatisfaction with the standard of leadership. In fact, right now today, I don't know whether you know this, that 40% of employed people would change their job today if they could. Isn't that amazing? Put your hand up if you're in that category. All happy in work, eh? Probably means about 90% uh, of you are not telling the truth. Because <laughs> you work for Joel or Rowan or Tim or something like that. <laughs> but this is actually a re reality. Now, I believe that it comes down to leadership because we're all called to lead somewhere, sometime. So for me, I'm a leader in my home. I am a leader in the community. I'm a leader in church. And for each one of us, God's given us a circle of influence and that is the area that we are called to lead. And I really believe this is very important because all around the world today, there is a leadership crisis. You can see it in our nation. And we can see it in the schools. Man, is there a leadership crisis in schools. There is a leadership crisis in families. And consequently, the family is suffering. The family is breaking down. And this is where... I need to accept responsibility to be the leader that God has called me to be. Now, you guys are just starting out now, and you're young, and I want to ask you, what's your life going to be? What is your life going to be? And who is going to decide what your life is going to be? And, uh, you know, one of the things we can go, oh, well, we'll, you know, we'll see how it turns out. And to a bit of a degree, I was like that. But man, if I had my time over again, I would focus on this area of my life so much. Because, because families rise and fall because of the quality or lack of quality of leadership. Communities, nations and churches rise and fall because the quality or lack of it of the leadership. So wherever you are called to lead, whether it's the school captain or whether it's in the workplace or whether it's something to do with the church or whether it's in the community, we need to be the best leader. And I, I love that testimony this morning because, you know, it talked about a man with a heart for the people that he's responsible to lead and that's what you need. We need the heart to be a great leader. Say that, heart. 
because we need to learn from the heart. And you know, what's lacking very much in our nation is there is very little leadership from the heart. It's all from a knowledge base that has been prescribed to people. So we have bureaucratic um, management, we have bureaucratic leadership, we have management, but very seldom do we have in the public space leadership that comes from the heart. And this is what God wants us to be. So we want to look at this, you know, because on every page of the scripture you see leadership. You see good leadership and you see dreadful leadership, you know, and, and uh, leadership changes the course of history. And, uh, you know, going back, a, a, uh, back in the 60s, a man by the name of Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King, he stood up and he said, I've got a dream. And he spoke about his dream, about how, you know, something to the effect of it didn't matter what colour a person's skin was or what their background was, that we'd all be seen as equal. And, you know, this was such a God thing. And, you know, he said that wherever you have oppression, you have, you have a need for leadership. I believe that right now we have a need for true leadership more than ever. We need it in the home. You know, this is the place where we really need leadership is in the home. You know, I have got to be not an average leader in my home. Now I've got to be an exceptional an exemplary leader in my home because my kids, my wife, you know, are totally depending on me. And, and you know, I want to say this to dads this morning in particular. You know, my wife has a role of leadership in a home. I, I'm, I'm not the boss. This is a shared... Now, listen to me because you need to know this. This is a shared responsibility of leadership. And even in the church here, Lynn and myself, although I'm the pastor and and the man who who does the preaching, most of the teaching or whatever, this is a shared responsibility of leadership because I could not be here doing what I'm doing unless she was standing right there with me. So, So, you know, while I am the visionary and... You know, uh, I, I am the type of leader that I am. I am totally able to work in partnership. And this is one of the things that we need to be able to do. And as, as the leader of my home, I'm the gatekeeper. I allow stuff to come into my family or I stop it. You know, my wife should not be vulnerable, wondering whether I'm going to step up to the plate or not. And I really believe that to be a dad is, is like ultimate leadership responsibility. And, uh, you know, we don't want to get it wrong. We heard the testimony this morning of the end result of somebody not getting it right. And I believe that most of my work, you know, which has been involved in helping people move forward, is often talking about the, the, uh, the damage that's been caused by poor leadership in the home. So men, we've got to get it right. Men have got to lead their families to church. You know, sometimes you have women struggling to bring their kids to church while dad wants to go fishing. You know, I, I had this pattern set for me because every Sunday my dad had the car running while mum was getting ready. Now, I'll tell you what, they were totally agreed on the fact that we should be in church, but the patterns in fa- of faith have been sown into my life by my dad. And now I'm sowing those into the generations. This is leadership. But see, if you want to, if you, if you want to um, absolve yourself from leadership responsibility, you can read the Bible as a good story. But I see leadership on every page of the Bible. And it's deposited on the inside from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 126, God said, Let us make man in our own image, male and female, he made them. This is the deposit of divine leadership 
that is on the each side of us. You are called to be a leader. The greatest leader in the universe is Jesus. Have you ever seen that little thing about Jesus, uh, history's greatest leader? It's like a meme that circulates around Facebook and it talks about the leadership of Jesus Christ. I wish I had it here to read. It's so hot this morning. But he's my hero. He's my leadership model. And also I'm fortunate that I've had other leaders, exemplary leaders in my life that I've been able to follow, who've been an inspiration to me that I've been able to model my life off. In Genesis chapter 128, I'll go there and I'll read this because it's critical to the message. God has given us a place of leadership. In Genesis 1.28, after God made man, and uh, male and female, it said, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is a place of leadership. This is a place of government And it is a place of authority. I want you to repeat this after me. I am called to lead. I am called to walk in spiritual dominion. I am called to be under government. And to bring government on the earth. This is powerful when you think about what this actually means. Now we can see the problems all around about us. And some of the problems that have been hidden and we suspected that they were there are all of a sudden becoming now very obvious. And I really believe in the next few years the cracks in society are going to become obvious to everyone who is not sure now. We are in a time of great change. We're in a time where we are struggling to find the way forward as a society. There is great confusion at every level of society because of inaccurate leadership. The confusion is absolutely at its apex in the school system where all sorts of ideas and ideals are being pushed. But the answer is for a generation of leaders to arise. Years ago, I answered the call to lead. And, uh, you know, here I am. And it's been a checkered journey. But I really believe it can be easier for you, more straightforward. I believe that the challenges of the future are great. But I really believe that you can be an answer in this society if you choose to be. See, we can choose to follow and follow blindly or we can stand up and we can go, no, I'm going to be the leader that changes that. This is an incredible time to be alive. You can come to church and you can be a follower of the church and, you know, I'm really glad that you are here every Sunday and so faithful. But God has also put something on you where he's calling you to stand up and not just aim at being a success. Because when we talk about leadership, we talk about success. I'm writing a completely revolutionary course on on leadership because leadership is not all about success. I mean, you know, I spoke about my greatest, you know, history's greatest leader, whose end result was on the cross from the point of view of how mankind saw it. And only those with the eyes of the Spirit really could believe that he rose from the dead on the third day. Leadership is not about success. It's about doing what is right. I want to give you some competencies about leadership. Who wants to be a leader? Who wants to lead for change in our society? Come on, put your hand up. If you want to be a leader for change, 
I am all for change. Man, I'll tell you some of the things I'd love to change. <clears throat> I can't say that. I'd love to change the area of mental health. You know, where so many people on the earth are just damaged, damaged, damaged and really confused. I'd love to change that. I'd love to change the way family is viewed in this nation. Where we come back and we begin to rediscover God's plan and God's pattern. You know, uh, it's good to be a follower. Being a good follower is a, like a pre-conditioning for being a great leader. You know, you need to be careful who you follow. You need to, be, you need to find people that you can, who can lead you and shape you and speak to you and challenge you. Everybody needs that. Did you hear that? Everybody needs that. Everybody needs to, you know, to be able to be challenged. Everybody needs someone who can come and build into their life. Someone who can come and speak faith in your life and make you believe in again. You know, this is where, as a leader, I've had to accept responsibility and step up to the plate. And sometimes the idea of retiring on the beach somewhere where the weather is warmer is such an appealing thing. You know, Lynn and myself went and visited Elise in uh, Marimula a couple of weeks ago and we're up there and I thought, gee, this would be good, Lynn. We could just rent a room up here and turn up in sale once a month and just guide the church forward. And we talked about that, didn't we? You didn't object, did you? No. <laughs> but see, there's a call. There's a call. God's calling you. You're not just hearing a message this morning. God's calling you to step out of that seat and become the man, the woman, the child that you're called to be because you can lead even in your primary school. You can be, against, you can be a go-against-the-flow leader. Now, this is the advice I'd give to every young person here. Don't go with the flow. Be a Holy Ghost nonconformist. I'm sure people are going to be tuning into this message that really love my style of speeching and speeching, preaching. You might hear it on the radio somewhere, you would not know. Competencies of a 21st century leader. Number one, must be prophetic. For us to make a difference in this generation, we must be prophetic. You know, Paul said this to the church in... 1 Corinthians 14, he said, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you should prophesy. It's one of my favorite verses. It's a verse in the Old Testament that says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. My people perish for lack of, and the word there is actually revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. You know, we were created. God put man in the garden. God put woman in the garden. And he put the capacity to come down and speak. Man to man. Man to woman in the garden. This is the way that we are created. Do you know what? There is a receptor on the inside of you. It's like a receiver. Like a radio receiver. And it's called the spirit of man, the spirit of woman, the inward man of the heart. And this is the way that we're wired up. And I tell you, if there's a reason why I've survived nearly 30 years as a leader of a church, is I've learned to depend on this. It is like I have my natural eyes and I can see around the world and I can see the challenges and I can see the present realities. But when you're in a man, your spirit man, the spirit man on the inside, the inward man of the heart, the Bible calls it. When that spirit dimension is alive on the inside of you, you can tune into the voice of God. And although the devil roars around you, 
day and night, on the inside, you can hear the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord is going to lead you home. Do you know what? This is a good place to be because there is the prophetic is valued in this house. And I really believe that one of the things that's happened with the church in the nations is that it's ceased being prophetic. And it moved to a more human dimension of human management and all those sorts of things. But the prophetic is the voice of the Lord speaking in the house. And you know, when you go away from here this morning, the proof, you know, each one of you have got to evaluate this in your own heart, so it doesn't really bother me. But the proof that a church or an uh, environment is prophetic is you'll go away and you, you will have this strong sense that God spoke to me this morning. Not every meeting is going to be powerfully so where God booms into the house. But over my time in church, there have been times where I've been so tuned into God where it's like I met him face to face in church. And in my life, I've met him out in the mountaintop. I've met him as I've gone through grief and pain. I've met him when I've been lost. And when I've had such a strong sense of failure. But man, I've met him. And this is where we need to know. We need to know what God is saying. This is what the Bible says, without the vision. This used to be the theme verse on the editorial of our local paper. Without the vision, the people perish, it says. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says, without the progressive, without the vision, without the spiritual vision, there's natural vision. I can see you by looking at you and I can evaluate you with natural vision. But I can look at you in the spirit and I can evaluate you according to the way that God sees you. That is the prophetic. One example. We really need to get tuned into the prophetic dimension of the spirit and make sure that we are tuned into the right frequency to move forward. This is the competency of a 21st century spiritual leader. You must be prophetic. Just say this after me. I must grow in the prophetic dimension. Yeah, that's what you need to do. Treat it like that. Treat it like that. I'm growing. I'm growing. I've grown so much since I started out on this journey. And the way that I learned is I learned to listen to the voice of God and follow. Listen and follow. This is what we do. You know what? Everything that God starts, starts like this. God said. God said. Sometimes I hear people say, God said, and I've really got to evaluate whether God actually said that. We all need to learn to hear God's voice. This is what you guys need to do. So you're going to be led by the world. You're going to be led by the culture. You can be led by your feelings. They're teaching you to do that, eh? In the school system, you feel like you might be a woman. Don't follow that rubbish. That is a doctrine from... It's not true. Follow the Lord. Open your heart to your mum and dad. Let them speak into your life about this kind of stuff. And if your mum and dad are a bit off track, come and see me. Yeah, that's bound to make the press that one, isn't it, eh? That's why we have good editors here at the City Builders Church, because I'm famous. Everything that God starts, starts with God said. If God said it, it's final. If God said it, it's final. It is. In the beginning, God made man. 
male and female, he made them. In other words, you don't have to worry about changing your gender because you're already a man anyway, if you read the Bible. God made man. In the beginning, God made man, male and female, he made them. Anyway, I don't want to create any more confusion to the discussion. You just just figure it out. Read it, figure it out. Come back to me. So we need to grow in the prophetic. We need to pursue this, desire this, love this. Love the voice of the Lord. There's so many voices. You know, um, I went and saw one of our guys in the church yesterday, Mark. He, he would, uh, I was going to have him get up and share this himself. But in nine years, God has rebuilt that man's life, his marriage, incredible. And I said, what was the first thing that happened? And he said, you taught me to shut down all the other voices and listen to the voice of the Lord. If I could teach you something, if I could teach our young people something, it is to become sharper in this realm of what God's saying. If you can't find it in the Bible, it's not God. This is what I, if you, if you could find this out, if you could start to really listen, you know, you're only really young, but there's a capacity in you to really listen to God. It's amazing. Because what God did is he put his spirit on the inside of you. It's like a transistor radio on there that can tune right into heaven. So you don't need somebody to tell you what God's saying because God has made you that way that you can hear him for your very self. Isn't that amazing? Your whole future. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? You know, what he wants you to do for him. It's a very special relationship that we can have with God. But the challenge is is that people are getting pushed around into all kinds of boxes because it's almost like leadership, true leadership is condemned in our society if it doesn't fit with the narrative. Number two, second competency. You need this. Man, we need this now. Now. It's almost like... um, This is competency 2022 that's so required. We must have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's very closely related to the first one. Sort of all flows out of the prophetic, but this is what you need. Man, if you're a mum, you need this. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you're a dad, you need this. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. And if you're a young person, you need this, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, sorry, Ephesians chapter 1. It's powerful, about 22, 23, somewhere there. Now, in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it talks about the sons of Issachar. There's a crisis in the land, but there was the sons of Issachar. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And it says that the sons of Issachar knew the times and the seasons and they knew what to do. Now, this is important because you need to understand the times and the seasons. We are now living in a time like no other. And we are about ready to enter into times like no other. It's going to be amazing. I believe that the church age, we're at the end of it. And we're at the beginning of the birthing of the kingdom age. And what we're going through is the birth pangs. Right through the globe. And what we need is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, these guys, 
They knew, the sons of Isaac understood the times and the seasons. Do you understand the times and seasons? I'm not sure I do neither. Don't worry. But when you've got that compass on the inside, that inward man is made alive, you can begin to pick up where you're at and more importantly, what you need to do. Now, in our world, everybody knows there's a problem. Everybody knows it. But very few people know what to do. And that is where you've got to be connected to the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom knows what to do. Revelation knows there's a problem. But wisdom knows what to do. And see, this is where if you're not connected in to what God is doing, you will know there's a problem. Like every day we hear people talking about the problems. But the sons of Isaac did not talk about the problems. They knew there was a problem and they knew what to do. And this is the challenge for every one of us. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to make sure you're ready, to make sure you're on the front foot, to make sure you're prepared? This is the spirit of wisdom. We need to understand the changing terrain and we need to know what to do. Each of us have got a job to do. You know, it was amazing. Noah built an ark. He knew what to do. He knew the flood was coming, but he knew what to do. And I don't see enough in the church of this is what we've got to do. And because everybody sort of kind of got their own idea, people are going everywhere doing things that could well be futile. So we've got to know what to do. How do you grow in this dimension? You pray. Because in the book of James, it says, if you want the gift of wisdom, you ask God. You ask God. And that's how it comes. Ask God to give you understanding of the times. Ask God about what you should do. Every household needs to do this. Every leader needs to do this. We need to be prepared to do things that we've never done before. Have you heard that saying, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result? That's the standard of leadership today. But God's raising up breakthrough leaders who will think differently and who are able to apprehend what God wants to do. Number three competencies of a 21st century leader must understand the assignment at hand. Every believer and every church in every place has an assignment. I've got an assignment. And my assignment is a growing, developing assignment. You have an assignment, but you don't know what it is yet. Every person sitting on the seats in this building this morning has a unique assignment that is given to you by God for this season. And I'll tell you what, the difference between leaders and people who don't lead, leaders push in and they develop a clarity around that assignment. It's the difference. People are wandering through the earth trying to find the answer. But nothing's changed because we have not seen the assignment. Now, the assignment is different in every person. In other words, Amy's got an assignment here. Julian's got an assignment. Heidi's got an assignment. Lynn has. We have a corporate assignment, but everybody's got a different part to add to that. And you've got to find that because you, when you find your sense of assignment individually and corporately, you can start to go, oh, I get it now. I get it now. You know, Moses had an assignment given by God at the burning bush 
to deliver a nation. Joshua was his successor, but his assignment was different. Joshua was called to be a city taker, a giant killer, a commander, of a, a, a warrior, different assignment. And you've got to find your assignment, both individually and corporately. God needs his leaders that are going to conquer every mountain before us. Because we're city takers, we're giant killers. We're nation builders. And our assignment, that's a general assignment, but every word, everything that happens is contributing to that. And you've got your place in it. I want to say this, we're a church on assignment. It can be difficult to really draw this down because the assignment is both natural and spiritual. The assignment is seeing the needs in the city and meeting them. But there is also a spiritual part to that assignment where we are here to create a change in the atmosphere. Both of them are important. Both of them are important. Sometimes people are very good at things all natural but don't know how to find their way in and change things in the atmosphere. Other people know how to change things in the atmosphere, but don't, you know, are not very good at the administration tasks. Both are important. We are a church with an expanding assignment. Our assignment is to reach the city. It's to reach out. It's to rebuild. It's to bring restoration. It's to reconnect. And it's been the church, but now it's moving out. It's expanding. You know, the prophetic words that have been coming through just in the last couple of weeks have all been saying something similar. Get ready because God's got a place for us in his end times plans. And see, you've got a choice. Because you can lead. You know, in the book of Judges, it says, when leaders lead, how good is that? Blessed be God when people lead. Quite often we think that's leadership. And it is. But leadership is in the home. It's in the community. It's wherever you go on Monday. This morning's like a commissioning for the rest of the week. But we need to understand the assignment. And it comes, the assignment comes by revelation. It comes by revelation. We've got an assignment. And we could sit down and we could have a really good chat about this because there's many dimensions to the assignment that God has for you and us. And we can finish our assignment in our own mind in the four walls of the church or we can accept the responsibility to be city takers and nation builders. What is it for you? This is where you need me. You need me. This is where I need Lynn. And this is where I need you. This is powerful partnerships. This is where we need a healthy young generation in the house that are more switched on in their spirit than anybody else. It's what we need. Is this helpful? Because God wants you to step up and lead. You know, it's my job to lead the Sunday service and uh, and to watch over that. But it is his job to build the church. And it is our job to co-labor with him. And it is our job and our responsibility to pick up the assignment and change the world around about us. Do you know what I read this week? Wherever you see a church that's gaining momentum, you, you have mass spiritual reaction. Why? Because while everybody's going to church and listening to messages, 
nothing's changing out there. But when you walk from here and you go, I'm going to lead and I'm going to go put my foot on a particular mountain, there's a reaction that comes out of the spirit realm because there's a devil says, that's my mountain. And while we've been in church for decades, the, mount, the, the spirit forces have been positioning themselves on the mountains of society to rule. But we are called to displace them. Are you in? You want to step up? You want to do your part? That's where you and I need to talk a lot together because you on your own, you can't make a dent on it. And I on my own just got this big beautiful building with chandeliers and a lot of space and nothing changes but we're nation builders you're a leader Val Hall is a leader she no getting off the hook for her she's you know right up there on the other side of 80 and going strong how good's that Young people are going, oh, I've got to look after the babies. Sorry, didn't mean to pick on anyone. <laughs> got to study, got to do the homework, all that stuff. And it's true. But Renee spoke about leadership up here. How she got through that time and did well. Don't waste your time. Must understand the assignment. You and I need to talk a lot about the assignment because I've got a job to do and so have you. One last point. 21st century spiritual leaders must be, must function with a renewed mind. Your mind's got to change. Do you know what the biggest problem with this is your mind. The biggest problem I've ever, ever had in my life is not my wife. All my kids, all my boss, all the government, it's my mind. And we need to allow God to completely change our mind. It's one of the biggest challenges of leading in a Western society because you bang heads. People hold their ideas so strongly and these thoughts are so entrenched. Someone said a lot of people, their minds are like concrete, all mixed up and set very hard. But Jesus knows how to change your mind. Very important. The assault is always on the mind. Have you ever seen an assault on the mind like this generation? When I was a kid, when I was your age, I went to the Catholic school, you know, we did church and prayers and all that. And even in the state school, every morning, they stood and said the Our Father. There's none of this rubbish that's going on now. But the assault is on the mind. And your future, your future, it can be governed by what you predominantly think about. We've got to allow God to change our mind if we're going to become a 21st century leader. In 2 Corinthians 10.4, it says this. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Like, you know, there's something very special about this generation that's rising on the earth now. Something in, more special than any other generation, perhaps. And the reason I know it is because of the attack on the mind of your generation. So the Bible says you can't fulfill the will of God unless your mind is renewed. You've got to allow somebody to change your mind. Can anybody change your mind, Grace? Who? God. What about mum or dad? Maybe. There you go. 
Honest answer. Honest answer. It's good to have a strong mind as long as your mind has been renewed. Do you know why some people just can't move forward because they're stuck in their mind? You know, when your life has been damaged at a certain point, it's very hard to move beyond it. When you've lived your life going down a certain direction where you've been sowing and investing into completely the wrong thing, it's very difficult to break it because your mindset hasn't changed. Paul was on the road to Damascus and he was doing what he thought was completely right. He was persecuting the Christians. And something happened that totally changed his mind. Your mind's got to change. But when we hold things so dearly, when we hold things so dearly in our mind, it's very hard. I'll tell you, I was raised to barrack for Collingwood. <laughs> Lenny, of all people, who likes to have his say on matters, barracks for Carlton. We had that many arguments over football, we both decided we'd barrack for Footscray. And that lasts for a whole three weeks. And we went back to what we knew. It's just a little story, but it's like we're like. But your mind needs to be changed. Your mind needs to be changed. It needs to be renewed. It needs to be redesigned. We can be very smart and very intellectual and pass all our tests and end up in a mess. But the thing is, this morning, it's a world out there that's just like that. But God's got an answer. He's got an answer. And his answer always has been in and through the church. Churches like this. And then there's you. There's you. Yep, you. You can talk to the person right next to her and say, yep, God's got you. And God's going to use you. God's going to use you. I really believe that we're about ready to enter in to the most incredible time in society potentially for the church. The great last days in gathering that God is looking for leaders. He's looking for people, simple people, who'll just say, yep, I'm in. No excuses. No excuses. Do you know what? We've got a generation of people now that make excuses and are blaming for everyone else for the lousy life that they've had. But God's invested his own spirit on the inside of you and now you can stand up and you can say, I am going to be the leader that I'm called to be. Doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to have my good times. I'm going to have my not so good times, but I'm going to lead because God's called me to this. Lead. I want to speak to men. Lead like never before. Lead like God called you to lead. Stand up and be a protective dad. Stand up and be a leader. Lead. Most of us think, oh, look, I'm just average. I'm just nobody. Stop it. It's crap. Lead. Lead on. Lead through. Lead over. Get it done. You're the one. God lives on the inside of you. You better believe it. And let's clear up who this God thing is. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And this morning is a real opportunity to you for just stand up and line yourself up with what God wants. Because in every city in Australia, there's churches like this. 
and I believe that the call of God is going to come upon them to stand up and to lead in the community, lead in the household. And the best thing that dads can do, I tell you, is lead your kids to prayer. And I did that. Poor old Renee, I nearly killed her. We're going to pray! <laughs> about you what's on the inside of you just a good little church person or somebody who can change the city somebody who can change three people five people twelve people or like the woman that met Jesus at the well and went and changed the whole region what could happen if you start to believe what I'm telling you about you know, the best kept secret is what's on the inside of you. I'm just a mum. I'll just get my kids to church. No, you can change the world. You can feed the hungry. You can heal the sick. You can take over. You can. But while we've got excuses, my job, my kids, my priorities, you'll never do it. Deal with your excuses. Deal with your excuses. Jesus healed 10 lepers. He healed 10 lepers. You imagine like that, your fingers and your bits and pieces all falling off. And you meet the God of heaven and earth and he heals you just like that. And only one of them came back. Only one of them came back. One of them chose to be the leader. One of them chose to be the man. But see, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to change the way you think. I mean, sometimes, like, I, I know this stuff, and I can talk to people, and they go, but, and I go inside, because I'm a really nice person, I go, shut up, and listen, you dingbat. You know, my spiritual father, he just knows his way in and out of the heavens, and the first time he came here to sail, I was so embarrassed. Because we had pastors, teachers telling him what he should believe. That's the problem with us Aussies. You already know it. That's why we can't lead. Because you've got it all stitched up. You've got your excuse. You've got your excuse. Are we going to deal with this? Are you going to stand up and lead? You're going to stand up, stand on the chairs and go, I'm going to change this world? Or just be a nice, critical Christian? Oh, they really make me mad, those guys. Critical Christians. I'm a critical thinker. 